In our reading from Genesis today, we find Abram responding to God's call to leave his home and journey out into the unknown. And to do such a thing takes more than just a simple leap of faith. Anyone who has ever relocated to a new state, a new school, or taken a new job or career is familiar with the anxiety that arises from relocation. And I would imagine those same anxieties were present for Abram as he thought about leaving his home and his community and all that was familiar to him. And the courageous faith shown by Abram time and time again throughout Scripture has granted him a prominent role in Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. For many people, Abram is considered to be the father of the faith. Now, Abram's journey into the unknown was a time of great transition. And all transitions in life are surrounded with uncertainty. Yet transitions over the course of our lives seem to be inevitable and sometimes unavoidable. Now, we may not find pleasure transitioning from a place of familiarity towards uncertainty, yet I believe there is something refreshing about landing safely on the other side of transition. It evokes the sense of having a fresh start. And as the rhythm of our life begins to return to a sense of normalcy, it provides an opportunity to embrace a new beginning. And so oftentimes, the transitions in our lives can resemble a born-again experience. Now today's reading from John contains the, most, the world's most popular verse, John 3.16, which can be readily quoted around the world by Christians and non-Christians alike. Also contained within John's Gospel, we find the well-known, hotly debated, and sometimes hotly divisive theological concept of being born again. Now regarding this notion of being born again, author Anna Florence says, at some point we have to face it. This passage has been used in some pretty awful ways to sort us into separate groups. The question of, are you born again, is code language asking two central questions. The first being, are you saved like us? Or two, are you crazy like them? <laughs> and when asked from the insider perspective, it functions as a way to determine a person's salvation. When asked from the outsider perspective, it serves as a way of labeling religious fanatics. Now Florence feels that neither version of this question is especially accurate or helpful because both rely on stereotypes of what it means to be a card-carrying Christian. Now, I believe today's reading in John provides us an opportunity to explore what we mean by the loaded phrase, born again, that seems to be used often in our society. For some of us, even hearing the word born again makes you cringe. For others, it may be comfortable. We all hear and interpret that phrase differently. Now, it may come as a surprise to you, but I am completely comfortable describing myself as a born-again evangelical Episcopalian. I surely don't go around introducing myself to people that way, but the description for me is true. I am a later-in-life convert to the Episcopal Church, and I wandered aimlessly through countless denominations, searching for what I felt to be an authentic and inclusive expression of the Christian faith. And so for me, when I discovered the Episcopal Church, it was a born-again experience. And from then, I've been happy to discuss or to introduce others to the Episcopal Church because of what a life-giving experience it has been for me.
One of the central characters from today's gospel is a Jewish leader named Nicodemus. One of the central themes running throughout John's gospel is the way in which the writer employs imagery of light and darkness. And so in today's reading, we find Nicodemus seeking out Jesus at night, concealed by darkness. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a leader within his Jewish community and member of the high court of Israel known as the Sanhedrin. And so it was in Nicodemus' best interest not to be seen in broad daylight conversing with Jesus. And initially in their conversation, Nicodemus acknowledges Jesus' relationship with the divine as both a teacher and because of the signs that he had been performing. There's something about this Jesus that sparked an interest for Nicodemus. Then their conversation seems to shift as Jesus nearly interrupts him and lets him know that he needs to be born again or born from above. Nicodemus clearly did not understand the spiritual nature in which Jesus was referring to and continued to engage the argument. And the last words that we hear from Nicodemus were, how can these things be? Nicodemus could not wrap his mind or his heart around what Jesus was trying to tell him. And so from there, our reading makes it seem as though Nicodemus disappears back into the darkness, never to be heard from again. Now, he was intrigued by this man, Jesus, seeking him out in the cover of darkness. His soul was searching for something. He was not looking for more data or more dogma. Nicodemus was looking for wisdom and spiritual truth at its deepest levels. Now, our 21st century is an environment where we also have unlimited access to data and information at our fingertips at any time. But like Nicodemus, I believe that people in the 21st century are hungry not for more data or dogma, but for wisdom and spiritual truth that gives purpose to their lives. But one of the limits from preaching from the lectionary is that we're given snapshots of Scripture instead of a panoramic view. So Nicodemus' interaction with Jesus in today's reading is not the last time that he makes an appearance in Scripture. Clearly, Jesus gave him a lot to think about in their initial interaction, but Scripture doesn't give us any clues pertaining to the effect that that interaction had on his life. But according to the next two times that Nicodemus appears in John's Gospel, it would seem as though he had an authentic, born-again experience. In the seventh chapter of John's Gospel, Nicodemus reappears, now in broad daylight, and he is found standing up to the injustice that Jesus is about to endure. Nicodemus can be found exposing the chief priests and Pharisees, his colleagues, defending Jesus from the attempt to pass down a guilty verdict without hearing any of his testimony. In the 19th chapter of John, Nicodemus reappears for the last time. By this time, Christ had been executed, and we find that Nicodemus returns on the account of human dignity. The writer of John records that it was Nicodemus who returns to prepare Jesus' body for burial, using nearly a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe. So this imagery of darkness and light employed by the writer of John's Gospel can be seen as reflective of Nicodemus' entire interaction with Jesus. Concealed by the darkness of night, Nicodemus sought out wisdom and truth from Jesus. And that initial interaction set in motion a process where Nicodemus experienced a spiritual rebirth. 
and we see that slowly he emerges from out of the darkness, moving towards the light. Similar to our baptismal vows, Nicodemus can be found striving for justice and upholding human dignity. So I think if we look to Nicodemus as an example of someone who was born again, I believe that he provides an example that may carry less baggage. And when Jesus tells Nicodemus that he needs to be born again by water and spirit, essentially he was asking Nicodemus to simply let God work in his life. And it seems to be more of an invitation than a command. In a way, I think Jesus was trying to say, Nicodemus, you have got to get out of your own head. There is a limit to human understanding and a limit to human power. But if you would simply open your heart to the truth of God's Spirit, you will discover everything that your heart and soul has been searching for. Nicodemus's experience is also one that translates across time and culture and at its very core reflects the Christian journey. As the truth of God is written on the hearts of all people, there comes a time when, like Nicodemus, we begin to seek out wisdom and ultimate purpose in our lives. And from there, the continual emerging from darkness towards light takes place. And this process of spiritual awakening is not a one-time event and then it's all over. It's a process where we are reborn again and again and again. Along that journey, there will be times where we find ourselves straying off course, and sometimes way off course. But God's Spirit is always at work, gently drawing us back into relationship. So I believe that this phrase, born again, so often used in our society, has been hijacked and used to divide who's in and who's out. But I believe that there is value in reclaiming its meaning and its intention. Author John Vandelar beautifully states that being born again is not about simply praying a prayer. It's about allowing yourself to be so consumed, so completely remade, that you see the world and its systems radically different, and then learn to live each day in a radically alternative way. This new seeing and new living will leave you feeling like a newborn child, uncertain of how to interpret the data that your senses are taking in, and unsure of your steps. But to be born again is to live fully in this moment, in this world, completely reliant on God's grace and completely attuned to God's ongoing salvation in the world. Amen. <laughs>